What's up, everyone? I am Kyle Schudick, and welcome to the Stay in the Fight podcast. And I am so grateful to have you listening with me today. This podcast is an in-the-field approach to connect you to the stories and experiences of people who are or have had to overcome their battles, those who have chosen to stay in the fight. You're going to hear of resilience, perseverance, and persistence that hopefully relates and resonates with you to show you that you are not alone in your thoughts and feelings and experiences. Our aim is for you to extract a lesson, strategy, or tactic that you can integrate right now so that when things feel too overwhelming, you too can stay in the fight. Welcome Henry Johnson back to the Stay in the Fight podcast. Now we're going to do something a little different today. The guest that we're going to have for this Friday is me. So your host is actually going to be Mr. Henry Johnson. Well, hello there. How are you doing, man? Um, I'm good. I'm good. It's a huge honor to be invited on as a host. How else can I interview myself but to find somebody else with one an awesome uh, accent that sounds brilliant when they speak? Um, I know you become like you become a really good friend then. Yeah. I can think of anybody else to Oh ask to do mate, this. that's so kind. I appreciate that. <laughs> well as I said I've got a few tricks up my sleeve. Oh boy. Um and uh, yeah let's let's get stuck into it. So let's I know it. that you are three questions for all the people who come on your show. I do. And uh, I did get that from another guest. So the guy would be Dave Berlin and he got it from somebody else. So it's just, we're going to perpetuate this, I guess. Just doing doing the rounds, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. Are you ready, Carl Schubert? I'm going to ask these questions. (laughs) I'm going to be as ready as I can. Okay. So Kyle, what pisses you off? Uh, besides traffic, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what really does is the, the inability for, for us to just understand how the base level of, of trauma, of stress, and all this manifests in everybody's life. The isolation everybody puts themselves into, that I am just a veteran, that I am just a uh, police officer, that I am just a construction worker or an offshore worker i am really pissed off that we have built isolation into society so are you saying that the isolation you're talking about is the way society isolates men Mm. of service or the way that men of service isolate themselves i would say both that the people who isolate themselves who feel that nobody else but the people in their culture understand them or even people inside of their culture that they are the way they are because of what they do so i hear like i I guess what i'm hearing is an injustice yes i would say a sense of injustice but it's rightly done through ourselves right i mean it's not like you're being i mean you have society that will label people as certain things so there's an injustice there but it's also done through those cultures as well 
So it's perpetuated on both sides. It's sort of like a, a cyclical state of affairs. <laughs> that, is a, that is a more eloquent way to put it, yeah. Okay. Now, there's, there's two parts to the next one. So I'll ask the first part first, obviously. Mm-hmm. Kyle, what makes you sad? What makes me, what does make me sad is the inability for people to find a way to heal, for people to find a way to step away from the things that they may have seen or experienced and not be able to see a path forward. So, I mean, both you and I know the way that emotions work. So, would it be fair for me to say that you're speaking? to your own sadness there? I would say sometimes, yeah. I've searched, you know, over the past couple of years of ways to move forward after certain events, right? Um, And that probably every event that I can go recollect in my life from, you know, parents being divorced at an early age to, you know, having um, experiences inside the military to being let go from twice from a corporate job to having to go through the shame and humiliation of trying to stand in line and compete with a bunch of other people. Those things, yeah, I would say that's, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it would be, it would be the inability for me to choose to, to, to get, get through it. Well, I think that's where like conviction comes from. It's mm. like, like I'm of the belief and tell me if you agree with this, that when we go into any kind of meaning filled work, the connection comes from ourselves first and foremost. It's like if we haven't been through that, then there is no meaning in trying to help other people through that. That is true. And it almost goes back to, to one of the, the phrases that I, I, I like. I've heard and um, I'll even repeat. And I can't, I've heard it in multiple places, but the last one was from Tom Bilyeu. And he said, you know, the advice that I give is the advice I need. How can you give that um, if you don't need it? And how can you go ahead and go through that process? Really, if you haven't experienced it, if you want to go out and help the other people go through that, if, if you haven't experienced it and you haven't yet grown th- to that point, um, how, how could you ever? And, and I suppose there's a bunch of people who can and only get so far, but you know, w- once you've experienced it, you've lived it and you've, you've drawn it to its core outside of the experiences and to how it shows up in your life and how to move through that, and then you really know, right? And is that the power that you bring, do you think? I believe so. The way that you're moving forward? I, I, I believe so. Because I, I've realized at the core, it's not the experience actually, right? It's not the experience. It's not the, the, the person who's been through all of this. It's how it's shown up in the life of, of yourself, right? How it manifests into sadness and how it manifests maybe into anxiety, depression, whatever those things that manifest, alcoholism, drugs, depression, uh, d- depression, d- domestic violence, however, in your life it's shown up, that is, that is where the true experience lies and how it's actually affected you. It's not the, the, the trauma, whatever you want, or the stressor, it's how it's actually taken you forward. And I think the power is finally for me is to realize that and then to turn that for other people and turn yeah. it into something usable. I mean, my, my experience of you is that you, you do this and that you're always, you, you always appear to be at a place of curiosity. <laughs> like, oh, this hurts. Let's go towards that a little bit more and find yeah. out what's that all about. And, you, and you, you use all the tools you have, have available to you, be it, mm. be it retreats, be it people to talk to, mentors, you know, people who are in service. You, you, 
you approach it from a holistic point of view, you know, not just one single aspect. You're absolutely right. And that's the way I've wanted to move my life going forward now that I finally realized the pain points and the pain points aren't just that they've just shown up in different ways. So this happened, however, this happened, this happened, this happened, it still shows up the same way. It still shows up with anger. It's in frustration when it, when it shows up. Yeah. How can I recognize that in somebody else? Right. Uh, I'm really high in empathy, which is crazy. Like every test I've ever done. So I, when I just got back from this past retreat and we did the strengths finders and like the last three or four different um, tests that I've done, like empathy shows up in the top five. And I think that's where I draw my curiosity from is, is being able to sit with somebody else, you know, in a three hour car drive and whoever listens to this, he's going to know who I'm talking about. And just being able to, I feel what you're feeling. I've felt that before. I felt that show up in my life, maybe not as, as depression, but I've seen that show up into my life as anger. Um, but it's definitely done the same things. And then just being able to ask the question, so what do you do with this? Or how are you going to do this? Or, you know, what else do you need to, to move to the next objective? And yeah, man, that's how I've kind of, kind of shown up in my life. And the next part of the question was, it's interesting, you said what makes you sad or lights your fire, but I want to know both. I know what makes you sad and I know where that comes from. And the listeners know where that, where, where that comes from. But what lights your fire? Ooh, what lights my fire? Man, there's... There's a bunch of things I could say it, with all honesty, but they all kind of link back to the same thing. And so what's that same thing? What's, <laughs> what's the core of it? At the core of it, it, it is really connection with people. I draw my energy. I get so much energy from doing things like this. Like when you and I, we, we chat probably what, once a week outside of doing these kind of things. Yeah, um, yeah. Interviewing other people, going to networking events and really figuring, figuring out what is the the biggest despair that they're going through or just what are they working on and being able to hold those healthy conversations and seeing which way I can connect them into the world or to my network or whatever it is that they need that I could go through two hours of sleep and feel groggy all day. I get into that conversation with somebody and being of service to somebody else in that capacity, whether that's through networking, whether that's through talking to them, whether giving them a connection. I, I don't care that that like is what really lights me up, you know, mm. and to see that I've served somebody else without any expectation. I'm not asking for $20. I'm not asking for donations. All I'm asking for is that nothing really. Well, I think like well, what I'm hearing there is a, a sense of empathic leadership, you know, mm. creating a community through understanding and empathy. And I think for the people listening, what's the difference between empathy and sympathy? We had this conversation. Did you, was it you and I that had this conversation? Probably. I think you, you so. You speak about quite a lot of things. So. We, we do. You know, I mean, <coughs> think, think empathy is being able to sit with and understand somebody's situation and feel the same things. Now, you got to be careful with empathy, right? Because empathy can take you down to living that experience. And I have to be yeah. very careful with that. I think you're right. Like having empathy. And I think maybe some people might be like, oh, God, empathy. Uh, no, I'm not about that. But being empathic with someone else in the room and being boundaried around that makes it okay for them to feel it because yeah. they understand that you feel it too. But you're setting the example of it's all right. It's not a risk. I can hold this so that you can explore it safely. It is. So, I mean, you, you basically take, take yourself into the, to the understanding of somebody else's journey, right? And you take their themselves into that to that space 
where, yeah, it's, I totally can see what you're saying and you under, you build understanding and you build rapport through empathy. With sympathy though, with sympathy, especially I think the way it's conveyed nowadays is you kind of feel sorry for somebody else's situation and it's a bit judgy. And so when somebody says, oh, I sympathize with you, what it, to me, and every time I've heard it conveyed is that you can, you're kind of saying, oh, you're in a bad spot. I'm glad I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, I understand where you are. Yeah. Like, well, oh, no. No, it's not I understand where you are. I don't know. No. Uh, I think your description was way better. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I don't really understand. I get it, but I don't really understand it. And I really don't think I want to be there too. And with empathy, you're not putting yourself into that. You're not putting yourself into the space where you're reliving that. That's taking empathy way too far. Um, and there's a term for that. And it's just not going to roll off my tongue right now. But with, with real true empathy, you're able to sit and you understand what they're going through and then be able to feed into the need that they need, whether that's you sitting with them, asking them a question, pointing them towards a resource, or maybe they just need to be validated. And I think yeah. that is what you, when you bring the skill of empathy, because it is a skill, right? It is a skill that you can have, is that you all of a sudden can show up and somebody just gets you. And so like when, if we were to have a conversation right now and I want to, I want to have empathy with active listening and empathetic conversation. Um, and you wanted to maybe convey a message of I'm going through something right now. And I would say, and we practiced this at this last camp thing that I went through this um, warrior week, but I've also done this exercise before is saying what I hearing is that repeat back what they say. Right. And so for me, I would really feel that, but I think that also conveys that, that empathy with the other person. And you're also really listening because you have to say verbatim what they said back. And that helps build that validation of the struggle that they're going through, which a lot of people do need. Um, but through, through that empathy and holding those conversations and some, I'll find myself doing that sometimes. So what I heard is you're having a problem with sales or what I heard is you're having uh, trouble meeting new people in this community. And they, all of a sudden they feel validated. They think, and they think I understand what I do. That's how I show up. Do you think with, you know, going back to the earlier point of things that piss you off of veterans being isolated, do you think that there's a need for an empathic approach to working with veterans? Oh man, I think there is across several boards. So what I think we maybe talked about the direction I want to go and we'll, we'll get there, I guess, in the conversation, because that's where I feel you're taking me, um, <laughs> is that it's not just, I think it is in that community is for people to say outside of that community, right? That I understand you because I've experienced something similar and it showed up in a similar way in my life. And maybe by that person who's on the other side who has a similar experience and the similar manifestation of those that trauma or stress or whatever is that they show up and now they're living that too. So that empathy actually helps them build a community, a bond, right? Between two people with vastly different backgrounds like you and I, right? I mean, we bonded right away. We have absolutely nothing in common from what we've lived our life through, right? right? But we can sit there and say, no, I've experienced this and I've experienced this and it's shown up in this way um, and outside of how we dealt with it too. So mm. I think in the veteran community and not just a veteran community and all people who dedicate their life to service and who go through trauma, I definitely think it's something that's needed that'll also break barriers. So what will be the impact of that? I think you're going to start shedding a, a shared light and shared community around people who are highly service oriented. 
You're going to have people who volunteer. None, none of this, none of what these people do in these service industries, and I'm not talking servers, the service industry, but I'm talking people who are in service to a community or to a country or both. What it's going to do is start to build common ground. And we're going to have people who can now share their experiences and not really with other people who don't exist in our community. So law enforcement, fire, EMS, dispatchers, veterans, and inside the veteran community, the Army, the Air Force, Marines, right, Coast Guard, Navy, all that. And they're going to be able to say, hey, there's other people out there who aren't too much different than I am. As a matter of fact, going back to what I said before, underneath it all, they're all human. They've all experienced some kind of trauma, stress, or something, right? They've been away from their families for a long amount of time. And that I don't really have to change my language that much if at all, for them to understand and for me to see that there is a brotherhood and we become more inclusive of these people uh -huh. who do naturally will isolate. And these are people who are highly dedicated to service. I mean, you got to uh -huh. think it takes a lot. It takes a bold person to say, I'm going to put my life on the line. Potentially it's not the outcome I want, not what I really signed up for, but I know the consequences uh -huh. and that you're going to have those groups. You're going to have those people who can, just say, man, somebody out there that doesn't wear the same uniform that I have understands and they get it. And it's showing up in the same way again with, you know, with violence, with anger, with depression, with alcoholism, with drugs, with whatever, whatever that is. And I don't need to isolate. I don't, I can have, I can have this community and through that, I know I can push forward. And so it just starts to expand the ring a little bit. So now you're in that one community of, you know, just, just say veterans. Okay, well, now I'm starting to talk to some guys who work in the service of law enforcement and fire and EMS. And now we have a bigger circle. And I think what that starts to do is that that makes the next step into broaden, broadening it out and actually building bridges into society, right? And into other people. So we can understand that through this, through these people who will at some point in their life experience that kind of pain it is normal and that they want to heal too. And that all they want to do is be the person they were before with trauma to better serve their community. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It? <laughs> I say, had this... No, it does. Um, something I want to ask you, like I, I find the psychology of, I was going to say service men and women, and I hope the listeners know what I'm speaking about. You know, it's, it's not a natural thing to say, you know, I want to put my life on the line and I'm totally prepared to lose my life in service of something. And I don't mean like, maybe it's not normal isn't the right word, but it, yeah, it takes a very bold person to want to do that. So you've got yeah. these people who take this incredibly bold decision. Shit has happened. They're out of the service now and they're isolating. Is there a part of them that feels that they've lost the touch with that boldness? Is there like a disconnect there as they've moved into a civilian way of life? You know, it's, it, it's funny. And so in the veteran community, because they're not going back to it, right? Mm. Because they're not going back to it, they are out. I think it's a little different in the law enforcement community and fire community and the ones that I know that are in my family who serve in that capacity will even tell you that when they go home after their shift, that they feel the same way which was really, really unique, but they're going to go back into it. So they'll get that adrenaline hit again, I think, in the veteran community that they're not getting it and somehow they miss it and they want to go back to that adrenaline, you know, to get that adrenaline rush one more time, like a fighter in the ring. And I'm not saying that is or is not healthy. What I'm trying to make the point is, is that 
maybe it's that attachment to it that could be damaging and knowing when to turn it on and off. Maybe my adrenaline hit now is to go serve in some other way. Maybe I go to a remote country and go help feed poor kids or whatever it is, but being able to decide and determine and be in control of where I get that energy from and where, how I feed that, that, that need. And I don't think it's necessarily a need to turn it off. I think it's just refocusing, right? Mm. How can I do that? And you know, I talked on this just on the um, experience of hypervigilance, right? To, to kind of segue in, into that is how can we use that as a tool and a resource, you know, as a veteran who maybe experiences hypervigilance and they're always worried about everything that's around the next corner. How can I turn that into a tool for me when I'm at home with my children? Right now I'm really hypervigilant, but hyper-focused of what's going on with them. So I'm using it as more of a tool of presence than I am using it as a tool of paranoia. So there's, there's a couple of things that I want to just jam in there. <laughs> go for it. Go <laughs> before for it. They, before they go in. Like the, say the, the act of you know, a veteran going to war mm-hmm. and missing fighting and then missing that adrenaline. Rush. Like the image that I got was forging a sword out of fire. So you're forging mm-hmm. something in ad, the most adverse conditions known to man. Out of heat, out of graft, out of pure yeah. determination, and then it's taking what is, you know, essentially an, a, a weapon of destruction that's needed, mm-hmm. you know, a sword, and then you temper it, and that means that you you temper the steel within it, so you work mm-hmm. it so it works with you, and that's kind of because you know I'm a metal worker, so obviously I'm going <laughs> to see things so in, in this is so you coming. <laughs> so, but yeah, like, would it be a fair description to say that? You, you're wanting the veterans, you're like, you're aware that they've got this attachment to something that could be seen mm. as like destructive or an adrenaline rush or whatever. And you're saying that you can repurpose that into something yeah. more meaningful and more in line with where they are now. I would say we could do that across the board with pretty much everybody who's in that service, whether they're a veteran or they're in the first responder. And even though they're going to go turn it back on, you know, having a conversation with somebody in the law enforcement, law enforcement community yesterday, um, who's very near and dear to me, I was like, how do you show up at home? How can we repurpose that? Because you're going to hit that. You, you have to turn it on because you're going back to work. And some people that like the veteran community who are not going back to work, they still want to turn that light back on. But you're right. Like, how can we find like, for lack of a better term, and I know it's overused, how do we find that purpose again and repackage it into something that's going to be useful for your life so you actually feel that, that it's, it's, it's giving you energy and it's not draining you anymore? And I, I, I think that you're onto something. You know, from all the conversations that I've had with you, I think you're definitely on the path to find that if you haven't already. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I've, I, I've never been in the military. I've, I've never mm-hmm. been a law enforcement or a firefighter or anything like that. But I admire the people who have been through that. And if they can take the skills that they learned whilst under fire, for want of a, you know, as, as an umbrella term, mm-hmm. and repurpose them into like civilian life, that sets them apart massively. Yeah, it, do, it does. And so there's a few organizations that do that on, on a higher level to serve other people, right? And I've, I belong to a couple, well, I belong to one of them. I look on the other side of things is maybe people aren't ready to go repurpose it to serve others. Maybe they need to go back and serve themselves. And there, I think there's a whole community of those people who've seen trauma, seen stress, who've, who've experienced those things. And I don't care what it is. You know, I'm not here to trivialize anybody's experience, whether you were in the Air Force, which a lot of people will make fun of, or, you know, maybe you, you know, sweat. The Why would people from- make fun of you? <laughs> It's like internal. It's like, it's like picking on your little brother, right? You know, I mean, there's always jabs and infighting in different services, but at the same time, you don't know what they've experienced. 
And we know that trauma is trauma and your brain can't, right? We've discussed this. You can't determine what's different. Once it goes into the fight, flight, or freeze mode or whatever else, however, it could have been somebody put through, you know, throwing a rock at you or something exploding that you start to process it and you can't determine how that's actually going to process. You can't. There's how, how can you take that control of the subconscious mind, the unconscious mind and tell it that it's going to do this? You can resilience train as much as you want to, but there, <laughs> once the shin hits the floor, not going to know unless you actually get <laughs> yeah, in there and unless see. Unless you go through it, and so yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be one instance where you had an attack on you. Let's let's say from a correctional officer standpoint, I had a, and it just kind of changes perception, and now he's more apprehensive in his job. And somehow later on, that hypervigilance that just happened that he had no control over right? Starts to affect things later on. Maybe he gets irritated at his kids. Maybe he gets irritated at his wife, at his coworkers. I mean, he has no control over it. And, and then we go look at somebody else who's been in, you know, blown up three or four times and shot, you know, two or three times. Maybe it manifests in the same way. I'm not saying that it will, but when we look at it from that level, we can't control how it's then going to show up on the other side. We can recognize right? But then how can we take that and we can turn that back around? Because some people are like, well, if you just start serving others, then it'll be okay. But maybe we need to have a little more care and compassion for ourselves and to serve ourselves before it gets too dire. Or even if it's got dire and we've worked through it, now we can turn it back on ourselves. And how can we say, no, I am in control. I am the powerful one here. And I determine Mm -hmm. what I need to to live a, a, a vital life. I think going like into service, it, it has a wonderful effect on our on our psyche and our well-being but what i hear you saying is that's almost like a band-aid approach you know it's mm. like yeah it works it covers the gap it heals but yeah. what about fucking surgery <laughs> yeah 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 what like, about dissecting yourself what you've gone through understanding the narrative where you go from here right? So what is my story? One thing I've been struggling with and kind of why I wanted to do this and hand you my microphone and control of the conversation. What is my story and where am I headed? And this is us crafting what's going to happen right now. Why can't we do that? I am, I'm getting to you. I'm (laughs) softening you up first. Oh boy. Um, But why can't we do that? Why can't we look at through the through through a through a different lens? Understand like where I've been isn't doesn't take me where I'm going, and that no matter what has happened, right? No matter what, um, I I I can control, and we got to do that surgery. So what makes me powerful? What makes me unique? You know what's keeping me in this repetitive loop? <laughs> going back to our other conversation that we had. Um, what's keeping me here and not going out and living the best life that I possibly can and in service eventually again to others because you're already serving and or you served in some capacity, but now how can we take that and keep it from going down that deep, dark alley? You know, because some, some of these things like it manifests in a very deep and dark way, right? How can we, my, my biggest thing to, to really put this to mark is how can we catch somebody before they fall on the knife? get them to flip the script, tell the narrative, get the surgery, the, the mental surgery out of the way, whether they go through therapy and then go through something else, like what I really proposing later on as like a non-therapy growth centered or after they do fall on the knife, we catch, we keep them, we patch them up 
and then we give them another path forward. Either way, it leads back to where, what I'm saying, right? Going back and doing the dissecting that needs to be done. Like, yeah. Once, yeah. I mean, yeah, like you're, you're getting them before they fall down the rabbit hole, mm. which we know ends by and large in suicide yep. or violence or any manner of hideous shit. Which, yeah. You know, some people with PTSD and trauma take action and before they know it, they've done something and they don't even know how their thoughts went from zero to a million. Yeah, you know, that's it's, true. It's rife with an alcoholism has blank out. So there's all this hideous shit yeah. waiting at the bottom of that rabbit hole. Um, and what I hear you saying is that we'll catch you before yeah. that happens. Yeah. But actually, I don't think what you're saying is will save you. It's like when you do decide to, instead of being sucked down that rabbit hole, you'll mm-hmm. go there, but you'll be far better prepared and it will be on your terms. Yeah. So the darkness won't have control over you. You will mm. be entering it willingly and well prepared and armored and ready for combat. Yeah. And so on, you a, get, on a safe level. Yeah. And you get to show up as the the resilient person you are, because I believe we all are, we hold the key to that. And that going past that, you might have, you know, people who have had, I, let's, let's go as far as suicide and people who have attempted and has survived, you know, which is commendable. But the other thing I see on the other side of that is like, once you go through, once you go through therapy and, you know, I, I haven't been down this route, but I've talked to a lot of people who have, it's like, what's the continuance in that? Where do you go from there? Because what's the likelihood that without constant care that you go back to that place? I'm seriously. I mean, let's go. Well, with, you therapy know. is a is a one on one, but what I yeah. hear you talking about is a community. I yeah, community of shared experiences, whether or not they had ideation, whether or not they had an attempt, but understanding that it's all manifested in some way in violence and anger and frustration and alcoholism and all these things that will go back and repeat them again and again that they'll go back to, and then moving forward as a community of people who have shared experiences that have showed up in a certain way in their life, whether or not it's, whether or not we catch them before it shows up, when they start to recognize that the signs are getting bad. So somebody had said, Hey man, you're starting to act a little, you know, weird, not in a judgy way, but you know, maybe you could get some help. Okay. Or maybe they've already gone down that path. They started to go through the therapy, which as I think is vastly, I'm never going to take that away because I think it is super helpful, but you can never have enough tools to combat mental health and mental wellness. And one of the best tools that I've ever brought into my life is community of, of like-minded people. And as you can see, my community is veterans and non-veterans because you are in my community and we have, again, we don't have the same background, but I found it to be so helpful, but programmatically taking people on a journey and keeping them in that journey of groups of people who can keep them accountable of people who have shared that and that they can share the same language and, and move them forward and get them to maybe reset, right? I mean, I think hitting the reset button, like I just went through a camp two weeks ago uh, called Warrior Week, and then I went through another thing called Operation Impact, and I've been in a couple of different journeys, and they were so helpful. But again, it was an isolated community. Nothing against them. I thought they were fantastic. But what I'm seeing is people of service, in service. What I'm seeing here is commonalities, more so than anybody else has Ever, I'm not saying anybody else hasn't seen this, but like all of a sudden my eyes just opened up after going through all these things and saying, wow, I'm no different than this guy over here or this guy over here who doesn't do or hasn't ever done the job that I've done, but we're seeing these same things. And that what we can do is say, all right, here's reset button. 
here's all the tools you need to, to do the surgery and we're going to support you hundred percent of the way and giving them the support and the kindness and the attention that they need and then setting them up for success long-term sustainable, mm -hmm. right? We used that term the other day, sustainable. And then I mentioned it to somebody else and that term just sticks out sustain. How can we sustain this? Because we know now once it manifests, once it comes up, it takes constant care. You have yeah. to. And so that's what we're looking at before or after it's, you fall uh, in life. We go back to this channel. Demons are elusive, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they are. They'll pop up and we'll do a shit ton of work on them and then they'll suck back into oblivion and we won't see them for a bit. Do you want a real thing yesterday? Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be completely honest. We were getting ready to car pumpkins and all of a sudden, like I was just irritated, agitated, and frustrated for nothing. I couldn't even tell you where it came from. Right. And I was getting chippy at my kids. And I was getting chippy at my wife. True story. I'll be honest about it. And it, it hurt. It hurt. But at the same time, like without the constant care, it's going to show up and it could have gone way worse. And so I know that I have a group of people that support me that I can reach out to. I know that if I'm going through something, I can think back to all the support that I've had and I can constantly care for that as it shows up versus going through a few sessions of something and then going back out on my own and back into my job and, and then having to go hit my lifeline. So what I'm doing is I'm putting several life preservers that are out there. I have a group of veterans. I have a group of non-veterans. I have, you know, we have the therapist. I have my family. I have all these different resources that we're putting out there. And all we're looking to do is add another resource of a broader perspective. And it almost sounds like what you're doing you know, when we talk about our own personal support networks, we have friends, we have family, you know, we have these, these, these resources that we, we put out. Almost sounds like what you're doing is taking that model of support, but expanding on it exponentially. So <laughs> it's available to thousands of people yeah. on, on, a, on a national level instead of them just being sort of isolated in their one support networks that makes sense yeah that's that's my aim man and um so let, let, let's put it this way all right so why did i start the podcast i wanted shared experiences because if you go back and listen to everybody sometimes you might have different takeaways but two or three might make sense because they wow bob and jim and joe wow they sound vastly similar completely different lifestyles and you know and i bet if you and i dissected our lifestyles and how we're similar and how we're not how things have shown up the same when I look at that, that's why I started this. And then all of a sudden that manifests into something, I could be doing something greater with my life. And it started to, I just started to think this is, and this has been a couple of years because I've always been looking for my journey. Like, what is it that I have been called to do? What has God told me to do? If that's what you believe in the universe, what has been put in front of me and like where, what lights my fire, right? Is those conversations and what hurts me and what makes me sad and frustrated and all these, you know, different things, you know, pisses me off, all rolls into this one. How do we gain a greater understanding of people on a scalable level and push them forward. And for me, if you want to say it's a niche of people, it's not even veterans, it's service oriented people. And how do we reach them and build that out? And so, yeah, you're right. That's, that's what I want, right? Something sustainable, something that's long-term on a national level. And it's been kind of put on my heart for a while. It's hard to, to articulate that in the open. I think you are. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I can under I, I can understand that, but we've so we've spoken you know around impact and the mm -hmm. external view. But I'm gonna do something with you, which is a therapeutic technique. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, and it just means that I'm gonna repeat the same question mm -hmm. until you feel 
like you've given the answer. Oh, man. Kyle, who are you? Man, who am I? I, I am Kyle. But what's included in that? I'm a Kyle, father. who are you? I am a father. Who are you? I'm a, I'm a husband. Kyle, who are you? I'm a veteran. Kyle, who are you? I'm a, I'm a educated man. Who are you? I am somebody who cares deeply about the healing of other people. Who are you? <laughs> I am somebody who wants to make a profound impact in the lives of others. Who are you, Kyle? Oh, man. I'm somebody who's been put on this earth to make a massive change. Who are you, Kyle? Oh. Uh, I'm somebody who's been hurt and doesn't want that hurt for anybody else. We're getting closer. Who mm. are you, Kyle? Man, this is good. <laughs> this is... Woo! Oh, man. This is, this is wild, dude. I love it. I'm somebody who cares. I'm somebody who cares. Who are you, Carl? Oh. I'm somebody who experiences pain and has experienced pain. Who are you? I'm somebody who doesn't want to experience that pain anymore. Or be who able to... Are you? I want to be able to process it in a healthy way. Who are you? <laughs> oh man. I want to, I'm somebody who takes that and helps other people see a way through. Who are you, Carl? <laughs> this is rough, but it's good. I'm just, I'm just a normal guy who's trying, I, who wants to feel normal again. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. How was that experience for you? It is rough and good. It's freeing, man. Are you okay? I'm good. It, it, I could process a couple tears from that. Yeah. It's, there, well, I, I, I knew the I knew the power of it. Yeah, you know, it's it gets it gets the root really quickly, and I think mm. it's a, it was kind of important that we went there, whether you decide to put this on the show or not. It gives a real clear like that's the connection, that's mm. who you are behind the ideas, behind the experience. You've got the essential human being, and mm -hmm. what I got from that is you know, you know pain, yeah, and you know yourself. And you won't stand to let anyone else experience that pain alone like you yep. did. No, uh, yeah, I don't. Who wants to experience it alone? I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode with me and my dear friend, Henry Johnson. Henry, thank you so much. But this is only part one of two. We recorded a lot of content to get through my story and who I am, and it is a freeing thing to do. 
So stay tuned about the mission, the places we're going to go, and the things we are going to explore. But for now, hit that subscribe button, and don't forget to stay in the fight. <laughs>